Welcome back to The Chosen Ones and Other Tropes, where I ask two published authors about their favourite tropes and the ones that make them want to cry. Unless it's a secret sibling, which probably is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what oh, it'll make sense now. It's like, no, no it no. doesn't. It makes less <laughs> sense. I have more questions. <laughs> well, some, some people would argue he's the hero of Lord of the Rings. But... <laughs> some people being. <laughs> and it made you sad. The total opposite bleak. made you sad. Man, it is so bleak. I was reading it and I was like, damn, this girl's like, <laughs> You're gonna make a lot of enemies on the internet. So I mean, so when so when you pitched this, mm. uh, I, I read it as like helpless window deaths. Immediately knew what it was, but I'd not thought of it as a trope before. I immediately right. had like ten movie scenes in my yeah. head. Right. Uh, and as I started reading up about it, I was I was ready to kick off with like. Um, so <laughs> the windows kind of not kick off like riot but like kick off like start uh <laughs> the window is metaphorical like in my mind but yeah. then i did more research and then i stumbled upon the broader description for this which is the the helpless observer protagonist yeah where, yeah. where it's like the protagonist watches something bad happening but they're powerless to 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 stop it yes yeah. um obviously the first thing that came to mind was perhaps the the most literal example that I put in our WhatsApp group straight away, which yeah. is the the death of Spock. Yeah. And, and the one with the with Spock and Kirk in that Star Trek Breath of Khan. Yeah. Or Kirk and Spock, if in the reverse, in Into Darkness, if you depending yes. on your preferred generation. <laughs> they do the same thing, don't they? They reverse it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. the same thing. So Kirk sacrificed himself. Yeah. Let's kick it over to Naomi. Naomi, what do you think about it? I um I don't mind it if I'm gonna be honest. I, mm. I think it's quite cliche. Um, but yeah, when I didn't really realise it was um, a trope until we first started discussing it, and then at the, and I realised the first time I probably noticed it was actually in the Hunger Games um, when yes. Katniss is about to go up to the Hunger Games platform and she's in like a glass tube um, and she steps inside the tube and then a bunch of guards sweep in and beat up Sinner and drag him off. And obviously, oh, yeah. Lenny um, Kravitz. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, his death is meant to like really affect her because she goes up see the game platform and like she's shaking and you know there's that whole rule if you step off your podium you're gonna get blown up so it's obviously like meant to uh yeah shake, shake her up a bit so I thought that was a I don't know I quite liked it on that <laughs> Hunger Games to be honest um so yeah uh I don't mind it I I think it's a little bit cliche I think now that I've now that I know it's a trope I'm like oh yeah that's, that's in a few things but um I don't think I mind it I, I agree because like I'd not I'd never thought of it as a trope because I've never I, cu I couldn't think of an instance where I was like, oh, not this again. Or like, oh, this yeah. is annoying and such. <laughs> it's like a really good way of motivating a character. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, it's, it's quite a nice like sort of bad guy move as well, really, because it yeah. obviously shakes Katniss <laughs> up and puts her on the back foot and she's supposed to try and go off and win the Hunger Games. And yeah, so I thought I don't, that was... Yeah. I remember the, that scene in the movie and it's it's they they make it out the the the, the glass thing closes on her. And mm. then she looks confused because it's not going up. So like, yeah, it, they hold her there. They yeah. intended to let her. Did he die in that bit? He does. I don't know if he dies then, but he does die. He does die, and it's, yeah. it's implied he has died at some point. But after well, where's torture, the body? where's the DNA <laughs> where's the record? body? You know my rule. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see dental records. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to identify the body myself. <laughs> Okay, well, Melissa, you're you want you brought up this you you opened me and Naomi's eyes to this. <laughs> uh, yeah. where, where are you at on this? What 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 do you like about the stroke? So, um, 
I do think it's really, really cliched. I absolutely love it. It's like my favorite trope. And as soon as we thought, I've like, I've got actually got a list in front of me. Maybe people who listen know that I don't like to make a huge list of notes when we're talking about things. I like to keep it fresh. However, this was just like, I could think of so many. I made this huge list. And when I was making my list, I realized there are three different types of helpless window desks that I like. Um, so one of them is like when it's a bad guy move and it's completely helpless and something's happening in front of you and you can't stop it, like with Katniss. Um, but another one I really like is when it is a self-sacrifice thing. So like in Wrath mm -hmm. of Khan, where Spock's sacrificing himself to fix the ship so that they can get away or, um, thinking about like, even in a quiet place, whether in the children are in the car. Uh, near the end obviously this is a spoiler and uh, lee the dad is like attracting the monster and they're looking in like the rearview mirror at the dad or um mm -hmm. and so i like so there's like self-sacrificial one there's a bad guy like like surprise one and then also there's a video game one so there's loads of video games where you are yeah. playing as the first like especially because you're in that first person uh, perspective okay. so i was thinking about in i mean i could think of so many different games that did it but especially in say fallout 4 where at the beginning of the game you're going into one of the vaults and you walk into the vault and you are in control in the game you walk into the vault and then you strap yourself in and you get into your little cryogenic freezer pod with it has a window in it and then later mm -hmm. in the game when you're not in control and suddenly it's a cutscene, but you are desperately like pressing buttons on your controller <laughs> they have a scene where you see your partner whether you play the husband or the wife dependent and your baby gets stolen opposite you and your partner get killed <gasps> and mm -hmm. then they freeze you again and it's horrible because you're in first person perspective and you oh. were in control and now you're not and i think there's quite a few games that do that like dead space has done it I was going to, yeah, with video, video games, it happens all the time, yes. but mm -hmm. I do think it's like a, a different thing. There's like a caveat with that because in a video game with a cut scene, it's um, because you are in control of the character. You as the player yeah. are in full control. What they're doing is like actively restricting your control yeah. so that yes. a story plot, story beat can happen. So I yeah. feel like it's more a, a part of the medium than like yes. a necessity. Like it, they're not doing it necessarily because of the trope they're doing it because of the restrictions of how a video game works and it's like if you could run around and like do all your abilities it, it you, you you should be like but i could stop this <laughs> yeah but that's how obviously a character would feel but which yeah. is why i yeah. think it yeah. leans quite nicely into the video game yeah it does it, it, it forces you into that character's shoes doesn't exactly. it exactly yeah. so you get about what they care about exactly so you get like an exaggerated version of the whole trope but um mm -hmm. but yeah but obviously yeah that's so true yeah. i have to shout out my absolute favorite one which if my agent lucy irvine's listening she will also agree is the one in lost which everyone wants to call everyone calls not penny's boat but it's from season three the finale of lost where charlie is a self-sacrificing window death and charlie <laughs> yeah he gets like charlie's in this room and he's trying to work something out and someone blows out the window and all this water rushes in and he realizes it's going to flood the whole place so he shuts the door to sacrifice himself when he realizes he's going to die he writes not penny's boat on his hand which is a big plot point so that desmond knows that his girlfriend penny isn't on the boat that's outside so they know it's not safe so he like sacrifices himself and does something like useful and it's like a very famous one. I can't remember Just last. It's just like you're, you're ringing so many bells. Oh my gosh. It's like, I'm it's sure I remember Penny. I'm sure I remember. I Penny. watched it on YouTube before coming on here and cried. <laughs> Horrendous. You, cried. you did yeah. not. But yes, I love it. Anyway, yes. <laughs> Wax a miracle about helpless window death, which is actually really dark. But uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, it is really cliched and I love it. 
Some of them, mm-hmm. are, I like it when that there's a kind of a range with them where some of them are um, sort of uh, done by the villains and sort of there to motivate anger or like a response, like in mm. Hunger Games. Yeah. Uh, and then there's like the very wholesome ones as well, which like the Star War, the Star Trek one kind of is with with Spock and Kirk. Yes, because um, yeah. they have a whole conversation, don't they? It's not like rushed. Yeah. And also Khan's not even there. It's yeah. uh, like, you know, yeah. it, they're doing a thing to save the ship because of something that, you know, the antagonist has done, but yeah. it's, it's just the two of them. Also, I wanted to do it like a, this is like an off topic, like shout out to that, that second Star Trek movie, um, the Wrath of Khan came out in mm-hmm. 1979, which is like peak, um, toxic masculinity era for Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was, I watched both of, I watched both the Into Darkness one and that just before we came on. And I was like, this is shockingly tender between two male characters yeah. for the time yeah. period. Yeah. When they pressed their hands to the glass, I was like, oh my God. And there's no like yeah. angry yell like it, like they used to do to be like, oh no, a masculine expression of sadness is like an yeah. angry yell. He just kind of, Kirk just kind of like looks super sad and then just slumps down beside the glass. I thought, wow, yeah. good job guys. <laughs> yeah i love oh i love that one i mean yeah, obviously hate good. it as well it is sad <laughs> more, more so as well because spock is supposed to be like this emotionless character yeah. yes and obviously he's he's clearly fond of kirk you know and it's like that's why it cuts even deeper because he can't show his emotion and yet he sort of does and it's like yeah oh. and does he say the line this is his last line is like um i have and always will be your friend yeah yeah oh. beautiful <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That well, have you guys seen <laughs> this one? Kind of reminded me of that. Have either of you guys seen Final Space? No, um, no. Oh, actually, well, you can't watch it anymore. There was some crazy like <laughs> this is like this insane television movie production stuff where okay. they they like oh we have to just delete a, an IP because of tax write offs. You literally mm. can't watch Final Space anymore. It doesn't exist. You have to pirate I've, it. I've actually not heard of it. What? what is oh, it? it was a really great. Kind of, uh, it was this animated, very funny. Uh, space kind of sci-fi adventure um kind of like rick and morty but without any of the like filthy dirty jokes like you could you could happily <laughs> have no your, <laughs> you could happily have your like you know young younger children watching it more of a kind of right, younger okay. ya yeah. thing but there was a beautiful scene in it like one of, and like it's one of my favorite the first season is one of my favorite seasons of like any show it's so good it's so well written and constructed and yeah. there's this one scene where the main character who's who's been sort of he his father died when he was super super young through this like weird kind of cosmic event gets to go back in time and he he meets his father in the ship that his father died on because his his father was like resetting the sun or something and it cost him his life but there's a there's a beautiful moment where he's like catching up and, you, and you're, you're getting this wholesome like oh it's so nice he finally got to speak to his dad and then his dad like shuts he's like oh go grab that for me and his dad shuts him out and tells him he has to like go back to his timeline and he he's like on the other side of this glass door and it's very similar to the to the star trek into darkness thing mm-hmm. um, but uh a, or, a armageddon. Kind of, or armageddon or yeah armageddon same armageddon. thing armageddon is his son-in-law <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. yeah who he doesn't like isn't that yeah, the whole thing yeah well, i he wouldn't didn't mind like. if you married my gracie something like that it's really awful oh, that's brilliant <laughs> it tugs at my heartstrings so much just like as a setup where it's the two people are whether they're like because there's also two types here there's the conscious of each other kind of thing so 
where they they're kind of talking and they're like aware that one of them is going to die. It's such mm. an emotional thing, and I think it it's such a unique character position where one character is aware of their impending death and the other one also aware, and they have this conversation. And then there's the other one where um, I think there's some instances of this where where one of the characters is like not aware or like uh, right. this, or this is happens more with the villain kind of thing. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure Sinner is aware in the Hunger Games that he's being beaten up. But (laughs) there's some funny examples of this. I was thinking from when we chatted uh, recently about Minority Report, and I was like, it's not the trope, but in a weird kind of way, the precogs, who are the the women who are kind of forced Uh, to like see all the crimes in the future, mm -hmm, are constantly witnessing murders and physical like things happening to people. Being unable to do anything. Yeah, completely powerlessly. So I thought it was at least Mm. worth an honorable mention. That's so true. But yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it's part of the trope. No, but I think I think the way that they build the tension. This is why I like it as a trope, and I don't think that it matters that it's a cliche yeah. and happens a lot. Is because whether you do it as a slow build or as a very sudden, horrible, maybe shock thing. So even like with Sinner, it's that as soon as that tube closes and she doesn't go up, they both panic like they both know yeah. something's not right and, yeah, it's, and like, it's very sudden yeah. and violent and it's awful yeah, but then also yeah. you have the slow build one where the tension's building because you know it's going to happen and it's really awful mm-hmm. and having a conversation um and i think that's why it works quite nicely because it's not something like we've talked about other tropes such as forced motherhood etc which maybe lean into feels like something lazy or leans into maybe uh doing something with gender politics or something that we don't like whereas what i quite like about this trope it's like what you were saying jamie about in the wrath of khan it was actually quite a ten and a moment between yeah. two yeah. men and it yeah. was used in that way and it was making me think of um so like another um one i was thinking of in the walking dead is there's a scene where they're in a revolving glass door so you know like revolving glass door it's round and it has four segments that you have to push mm-hmm. to open it and there's a scene where glenn and noah get trapped in this revolving glass door and all the zombies press on two of the segments that are opposite each other and they're trapped oh, in the so other cool. two segments and so of course the whole time you're watching it you you realize very quickly your brain very quickly works out what has to happen one of them has yeah. to push it round uh. <laughs> who's going to push it round and there's zombies on the left side but they can probably fight on the right side so everyone's fighting to go right because that's the way no out way. and of course one of the characters noah sacrifices himself and pushes this is season three so this is really uh. not spoilers um <laughs> and noah sacrifices himself and he pushes himself around and glenn has to sit there and watch him and he's like up against the glass being eaten he's like right wow. next to him and it's horrifying because that's you are so thinking cool, it's a really good like a good idea for a death because i think when you're writing stuff that are like thrillers or like the walking dead where you're killing a lot of people you have to think of new ways to kill people you want to you want to spice it up so yeah it's yeah, yeah, yeah. like a good one and it is self-sacrifice so yeah, i think that's yeah. why i like it it's just so it's such a tense moment i've never watched one or read one and i think it does work in books i was talking to uh, my partner about this before coming on and he said he didn't think it worked in books and i think it does because in a book you only get to see sometimes when you watch a film in charlie in lost when he gets stuck and he says not penny's bow a lot of people said when it filled it with water it wasn't that deep why didn't he swim out the open window and and survive and it's like well yes if you're watching a scene you can probably pick something out whereas in a book you've only got the information the author's giving you so yeah, yeah. That's it so feels true. quite tense like so a bit i think more it's claustrophobic yeah, yeah it still massively mm-hmm. works in a book and the scene with katniss watching sinner is in the book as well mm-hmm. so it's, it still totally works but yeah, yeah. That, that's why i think i don't know I, I just think it always i always feel tense when reading or watching it and it never gets old for me i think because mm-hmm. it's it's a very conscious decision 
Yeah. Like some of the other tropes we talk about, you can, a part of it, you kind of feel it's like, this is, you've subconsciously defaulted to, you know, what your, what society has deemed like, oh, this is how this arc ends for the woman. Like they yeah. must be pregnant and mm-hmm. exactly. we'll all live happily ever after. <laughs> but this one, if like, it's, it's never there, not as a deliberate choice. And yeah. the tenderness of that Kirk's Bock moment it's kind of like a really interesting um finale to their to their kind of friendship arc in that especially at that time like you it forces them to express their actual feelings for each other which never would have happened otherwise and then conversely the hunger games one i think is a great example of uh inciting um emotion for katniss and at the same i love how swift and violent it is like you mentioned yeah there's something really sinister about how swift that comes on and that reminded yeah. me of um and i i think this does fit that even though technically the character in quotes looking through the window dies in the same scene huge oh. spoilers for a song of ice <laughs> and fire slash game of thrones uh, <laughs> the red wedding i think kind of fits no. this trope I, that was because... why i stopped watching game of thrones <laughs> <laughs> because <Yeah>, <laughs> Even though everyone, literally everyone dies, including I think Mm -hmm. two POV characters, thus ending their POV. So technically like their story ends there. Rob Stark is killed last and Uh, thus forcing him to watch (laughs) his mother, wife and unborn baby all be murdered in front of him. Yeah, babies. I think it was twins. I don't want to know that. Don't That's make it worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> just, just bring a bit of levity to an already incredibly grim situation. Yeah, they, you're you're so right. They they do that with the audience, don't they? Yeah, because you you're not expecting that. You go into it and you're just like, okay, so it's going to be this weird wedding, and it's not. It's a bloodbath, and you're just sat there with your mouth open, and you get so angry, you throw the book out the window. <laughs> I think that was- That's it for Game of Thrones. And George R R Martin has lost your customers. <laughs> you know what? That, that was actually the moment I was like, oh god, I think I'm obsessed with this because oh, really that was the, that for me. That's that's a subversion of um everything i know about mainstream like storytelling i'm like Mm, in my head i'm like all these characters are safe because they are point of view characters the only time they could die is the end of the book like yeah it's not allowed for them to die but having him kill multiple pov characters i was like oh my god literally anything can happen you know yeah i'm i must admit when i was watching the tv series that what i that also cooked me in because i was on my own like binging it and it up until then i was unsure but then i saw that i was like oh my gosh this is because they do yeah. it again don't they in the tv series i don't know if they do this in the books with um they do it with lots of characters when um cersei blows up the sept oh yeah, yeah they yeah. have the tension of lots of characters working out what's happening and there are several different characters that are like oh i see what's going to happen now mm-hmm. even sometimes before the person watching and then of course the great thing is instead of it being a character being devastated by watching it it's cersei watching it with a glass of wine being thrilled thrilled that her plan <laughs> and then it's so more evil. shocking when her son jumps out the window Yes, because, of course, he was kind of watching it, but he didn't know what was happening, but, of course, sees it happen sort of in real time for him, whereas we see it all yeah. the build-up. He doesn't see the build-up. He's just trapped in his room, sees the explosion, mm-hmm. realizes very quickly what's happened, and then there is no glass, luckily, for him to look through, so we can just step out. He is looking through a window, though. Yeah, it's true. He is looking through a window. <laughs> so it is a helpless window death. <laughs> helpless window death, and then he causes his, and then he kills himself, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess... 
I, I guess it, it you can't apply it to the audience necessarily, but I don't know. I was thinking... It's, hmm. it's an interesting subversion of it. Yeah, it's a good point. Here's an interesting one, because I got into this hole of being like, wait, are like half the fake out deaths that mm. are like you see on screen or read about, like so many of them are there to propel uh, motivation forward for a character. So I was right. thinking like, and then this is an interesting one because we're just talking about the audience and like whether this affects the audience as well. Um, the In Monsters, Inc., this is a silly little one. There's like a, there's a bit in the first Monsters, Inc. where Sully, where Boo's like dressed up as a monster and she's going around the monster, Monsters, Inc. like headquarters and Sully's trying to chase her down. And then she, she he thinks that she's gone in the like uh, rubbish disposal unit and yeah. that she's going to get crushed. Oh, I know. But you as yes. the audience see her goofing around in the hallway but he's like oh my god oh my god and he's like following it all the way to the <laughs> and he's like very emotional and sad but you see her goofing around the whole time yeah yes because the little eye from her costume is in the yeah but the whole time he's there watching through thinking that this is a death yeah. and he's watching the machine like helplessly not able to do anything that's so true, but also it gives him character development without having to make a really cute kids film like We see how he would react if she was like yeah. actually trapped in there. So that's really clever, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the and then I was like, okay, well what other is there another fake out death I could think of where it's the same kind of thing? And like there's no window, but in the new Star Wars trilogy. Mm-hmm. spoilers i guess uh, <laughs> this whole this whole podcast is just spoilers. yeah it's just, it just has spoilers on the picture so everyone should know the the there's a bit where they where they totally fake out chewbacca's death and mm-hmm. ray is like on the ground and she sees she's she knows that oh, chewbacca has been taken yeah. and she sees the ships fly up and oh, then yeah. one of them blows up and from her point of view she's looking up powerless to to like do anything to save that because it's i don't know something shoots the ship or whatever um mm. i mean it turns out it's just an awful fake out literally 30 seconds later <laughs> but then i was like we Ooh. always we end up talking about fake out deaths so much on this podcast <laughs> i think so many fake out deaths use this trope because they, they, they mainly i guess it no oh, what make you watch it yeah but when they, they fake it yeah yeah, they want the character to see it and they want to, to care I think, about it. Mm-hmm. And for me, because fake out deaths, I think are very hard to make work without it feeling like feeling like cheap. Yeah. Uh, mm. That's that's an instance of this trope of like the helpless window death feeling mm. forced. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially it depends how long as well there is between that and the reveal, because there's quite often a comedy element such as in Monsters Inc where <laughs> he's still like mouth hanging open, panicking, and then immediately finds out she's fine. And yeah. it's like yeah. a joke for all the, you know, they're stood next to them, literally eating a sandwich. Like, what are you looking at? And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. you're fine. You're alive. So and I think that's <laughs> fine. But if you leave it any longer, I think you can get, yeah, into a little bit mm-hmm. of, oh, well, is this person dead? But in the Star, the star Wars one me, and that's literally 30 seconds. Is it? Like it's mm-hmm. two scenes later that they reveal okay. that Chewie's alive. And I'm like, well, why even bother? Like you didn't <laughs> follow through with it at all. In, <laughs> yeah. in the Star Trek one, which is going to be the archetypal reference of this thing. Of course. In the Star Trek one, they literally, the next scene is the funeral of Spock. Right. Like they fully commit to the whole thing. I don't, and I don't know if he comes, I can't remember if he comes back after. You guys are the Trekkies. So does he come back <laughs> after that? <laughs> it's remembering the order and okay. which, yeah, which remakes they were doing. So I'm not sure, but I don't think he does in that 
universe. Not in that film, at least. Yeah. So, like, at least they commit to the end of that film. I think so. they do, yeah. yeah. I actually haven't seen that one, to be honest. So. <gasps> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but whilst we're just talking about Star Wars, yeah. um, um, I, I realise they do it again in Star Wars. You know, I think it's Return of the Jedi. I'm not sure where Luke is taken to. Wars. Did you? The one where Luke is taken to some version of the Death Star (laughs) and Mm -hmm. um, forced to watch on screen as the Empire has like a space battle with um, the Republic. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Return of the Jedi. Is that Return of the Jedi? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and so that's happening there. I just realized they also do that with Leia. They force Leia to, in the first one, A New Hope, they force Leia Leia to watch her homeworld be destroyed. The destruction of a planet, yeah. Oh, they do. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Mm, They use it a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Bit of a crutch. <laughs> the, the other one that I had for that, which was again me taking the window very metaphorically, is when yeah. Luke watches Obi Wan die. Oh, oh yeah. I see, because yeah, he's like on the other side. He's yeah, the other side. yeah. He, there's no way he can get to him. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even if he could get to him, like he's fighting Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And then, but yeah. then I was like, is this does this count though? Because Obi Wan Kenobi kind of like he literally there's basically a wink, and then he like lets himself. Yes get killed so i'm like this is like oh a, yeah that's so true it's yeah, confusing emotionally it. yeah does he just <laughs> yeah. want to be a false ghost maybe <laughs> yeah. i mean and he's he already Who says wouldn't? he already says before that doesn't he that's the bit when he goes um if you strike me down i should become more powerful than you could possibly yeah. imagine like, yeah he lets him, he's yeah, fully yeah, he he's like him. he's literally timing <gasps> like it and just prophecy. waiting for Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's very true. I think in um, thinking of ones where you can like see someone far away and it's in a battle or something. I was thinking of um, in platoon. No, in platoon. Actually, I was switching away <laughs> from the Star Wars universe to give our all listeners some <laughs> <breath. Temporary>. <laughs> <laughs> Um No, in platoon, there's that bit where um, it's uh, Elias is. Um, they think he's dead and they leave him behind and they're in the helicopter and then they look down and he's alive and he's like running. And he's trying to get away from the Viet Cong and they're all like converging on him and it's horrible. Mm. And they know they can't do anything because they've already taken off in the helicopter and it's too close. And then there's that really famous scene that's always parodied where he gets shot loads of times in the yeah. back. It's like slow motion, <laughs> dancing with the bullets. It's Willem Dafoe, right? Oh, no. uh, yeah, I think it is actually. And yeah, yeah, Elias, and he, yeah. His arms like go up in the air and then he like collapses forwards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know that's the scene. The one. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's it's kind of one. like a window death because they look at they're watching and they really think he's it's like a it's like a fake fake out. Yeah, they think mm-hmm. he's dead. They leave. Yeah. He's not dead. <laughs> They've made a mistake. <laughs> and there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, there's nothing they can do about it. Literally nothing you can do about. They had the body and everything. They didn't check. <laughs> whilst we're whilst we're talking contemporary, uh, Mission Impossible does it a couple of times actually because we we were going we're going through all the film franchises and we've recently done the Mission. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah, done Mission Impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Tom Cruise. And, <laughs> I know, right? He's in so much. Um, so yeah, in in one of them, um, he, he's he's in like a. He, I think it's Mission Impossible Three. He's tied up and forced to watch someone torture his wife, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, so there's no window, but it's like a force to observe kind yeah. of thing. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is like demanding the rabbit's foot, and we never really find out what the frigate is in the whole movie. <laughs> um, anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so there's the, there's the removal of the window there, but it's his wife that's in danger, and he's sat and forced to watch her get shot and things like that. And yeah, I think actually I, that works quite well without the window because um, it's so much more immediate. You know, like his wife is literally in front of him, and he's tied to this chair. There's nothing he can do. If there was like a window there. Um, that would almost be like a barrier <laughs> yeah. to it. So it's so much more um, emotional and um, immediate without the window. So I thought that worked quite well. 
but there's another one as well. I think it's five. Is it Ghost Protocol? Where he goes to like this vinyl shop and has like a weird little chat with the clerk there, and and she gives him like this special vinyl and LP thing, and he has to go in and listen to it in this booth, and the booth locks and fills with gas, and as he's banging on the window whilst about to succumb to unconsciousness, he watches this bad guy come up and and shoot the the uh the clerk in the shop so um he's forced to watch it there and that's a window death i suppose right a uh, pretty stereotypical one but um yeah they do it twice yeah they love it they do there's lots of i i did find examples where there's lots of like little ones which aren't like mm. I, I wouldn't constitute them it's as not like a major character yeah exactly or mm-hmm. or yeah. like it might be a major character but it's a small event so i was yeah um I was looking at what people thought were good examples of this line and, and a couple of people referenced uh watchmen and in Watchmen, oh, yeah. Dr. Manhattan, the way that he's kind of created is that he goes to get something. He, he's a scientist and he goes to get something from this like reactory thing. Yes. And then he gets locked in. But then all the other scientists yeah, are like, so can't, they just are like a watching him sort of yeah. be dematerialized. Mm. It's horrible. Yeah. And it's that is pretty brutal. And it's, it is like the same thing, but I guess it's weird because it's kind of in reverse because he's kind of like much more of the main, they're, they're all side characters. So it's like a weird yeah. kind of. Yeah observation of that yeah. trope yeah i wonder if we're, we're replacing the the window with whatever the hell we want right now so <laughs> like what you, with the window <laughs> defenestration throughout this trip i thought of a couple of these where it was uh helpless like on on the phone deaths oh okay yeah so there's one oh like you're listening to it rather than like yeah. taken i love this yeah yeah oh yeah or like um in the dark night when he, he, when he the the bombs are there's a bomb on Rachel and then there's a bomb on Harvey Dent and mm. he say he chooses to save Harvey Dent because it's for the good of Gotham or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, but then he's to talking Rachel to Rachel sure. on the phone when the bomb goes off. Mm. I think yeah. if I'm remembering that correctly. And then it also happens in uh, Blood Diamond with Leonardo DiCaprio, and he's oh, been yeah. he's been like shot and battered, and it's like one of it's close to the end of the film, and he's like um, sitting on this hilltop talking to um, one of the other characters on the phone and saying like he has a, he's he basically describes the view in front of him. He's got this beautiful vista out in front of him, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like he knows he's dying, and and it kind of pans between him and her, and and you can see she starts to cry as she understands that. She, he she can't see him which is quite interesting it's quite an interesting way of doing the trope where she's not entirely sure what's happening right and then as the conversation goes on and the way it's it's a lot of it's through the way that he's talking it's not like he says i'm dying by the way uh it's like the way he's talking not just in terms of like he's sort of coughing a bit and, and spluttering but also just he's sort of being very poetic and a bit sort of abstract about the ways, which I thought was an interesting way of doing it, where yeah. one catch one character is playing catch up with with the other character, which you don't see in that many of the other examples. Yeah, that's a nice fresh way. This is what I like about it. I think everybody can find a way to make it fresh and interesting purely because it's not relying on stereotypes. So it's something that you can play with. I think yeah. more so than other tropes we've looked at. Yeah, I feel like it's so hard to find bad examples of this. Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, I don't mind it. Favorite. Uh, what I realized that was actually a bit <laughs> more obscure, but 
um, you know, the Hunger Games and mm-hmm. how I do know the, the Hunger cap- Games. I've heard of it. Yeah, you do know. Yeah, <laughs> that little that little franchise. <laughs> um, the way the capital um, make the districts watch the Hunger Games. Yeah, like, oh, they take they take yeah. their children and then put them in this arena and make everybody watch their children die. That's that's quite dark actually when you think about it as a concept and you just kind of readily accept it that's so clever um, as well yeah. because it, and it adds yeah. to the hopelessness and makes you understand yeah. quite quickly why they aren't revolting against yeah exactly yeah i like that actually that's a really yeah. good one because it's it's just such a good emotional trope you know it's like it's such it a good emotional mm-hmm. hook it's so good especially if you're not using say side characters or it's not just a small thing if it's main characters that it's happening to it's such a great way to really push a character arc along very quickly mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It really gives them like a, a, fo- a footing to go off and kill the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What a great range too. Because the, it's mm. funny, I didn't even think of, like, I had, I knew that the there was the Hunger Games one, but I hadn't thought as, of as many of these sort of like um, antagonistic ones as you guys, I, yeah. for, in my mind, because the ones that really get me, that really affect me are the the like wholesome ones, the emotional ones. Yes. The self-sacrificing ones. And, and yeah. those are the ones that really like reach me. But yeah, it, it has such a range. <laughs> this, it really yeah. does. This, uh, this trope. And I think the yeah. self-sacrificing ones as well, like what I really liked in um, When It's Lost with Not Penny's Boat, like the famous scene, um, yeah. they do a really good thing with the music where there's lots of very loud, very tense music. He slams the door shut. Desmond's angry with Charlie because he's thinking, why are you shutting the door? The bomb goes off. There's water pouring into this room. And then there's a point where the music actually stops being tense and goes to silence. And then oh, this very slow powerful. music. And you see on his face, Charlie realizes he's going to die. Mm-hmm. And it's this moment where you as the audience also notice he's like, you're like, no, there's no way out of this, is there actually? This is bad. And it's really emotional because they change from an incredibly tense scene where people are running around and throwing grenades and screaming at each other and there's an alarm going off. And then it goes to like almost silence mm-hmm. whilst all this water's rushing in. And it's just a really good like directorial way. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Mm. You know what I think it is? I think it's um, the reason that, for me that this never feels like an overdone trope is because I think it's just inherently relatable yeah I think Mm -hmm. not on obviously you know the things that we've been talking about we're not in the Hunger Games or on the one of the Star Trek ships but (laughs) uh I think we go through kind of minor instances of this on an almost daily basis like the feeling of having to watch something um, that you want to, to, you know, to work out fail yes. or like not go as you hoped and have no power to, to change it. It's such a relatable, um, just kind of like feeling. I mean, it's basically, uh, what you experience just reading the news every day. Yeah. yeah. Or watching Love Island after Casaramore recoupling. <laughs> well, devastating. Well, well devastating. that apparently I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> In conclusion, hell of a trope, one hell of a trope. Have you guys ever used this trope? No, but um, I want to now. No, I don't think so. Yeah, what am I doing not using this? I know, this? What? Oh. do you know what? Just burn all my books. Okay. <laughs> Start again. <laughs> <laughs> Although, actually, I think in my, one of my synopsis that I wrote for the book I'm pitching, I think it will happen later if I write it's it. It's definitely happening now. Yeah, it has to happen <laughs> now. Everyone has to make, make sure it Thanks for putting up with our nonsense for another episode. To stay tuned to everything we're up to, you can follow the podcast on all socials at The Chosen Tropes. Follow Melissa at Meliva, Naomi at Naomi G. Wrights, and Jamie at Jamie X. Greenwood. 
Don't forget to check out Naomi and Melissa's books as well as the Right and Wrong podcast. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next trope.